Out minute. Uh, this is week 24, and this is episode 118. I'm your host for this week, Allison Seigen, with my guest, uh, Niall McGowan. Hey. How are you doing? Oh, hey. Hey, I'm uh, glad to be getting to the bottom of this mystery. Yes, we are going to unravel this mystery. Uh, last uh, last episode, we've discussed chloroform for a very long time. <laughs> so now we can, uh, we can get to the bottom of this mystery uh, that's going on in Knives Out. Uh, this is covering minute... Uh, one hour and 57 minutes in um, for that whole minute. Uh, and yeah, this, so let's get started. Um, this minute is more of Benoit Blanc continuing to put the pieces together. Uh, it reveals that instead of Fran saying, you did this, Hugh did this. Mm. Uh, Blanc shows how the plan fell apart by um, Ransom getting taken in for questioning, but most importantly, that Marta is a good person. And then uh, it ends on the dialogue by saving friends dot 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 so uh have any thoughts about this episode uh or about this minute <laughs> nope no i think i think we can wrap this one up now uh pretty <laughs> <laughs> we're done <laughs> all right um the first thing that comes to mind is that uh this uh the thing the thing that i i think really struck struck me about this particular minute is the you made the help call you Hugh because you're an asshole line from Marta, mm-hmm. which is, I think, really a smart, uh, both, a, both a good, very good line uh, from Anna de Armas, mm. uh, but also, I, I think, bringing back to how he treats people um, <laughs> that work for him. Like, it's, ha, like, it, it's really, like, it, it because, I, like, in, in the middle of this movie, you have that brief moment where you're like, Maybe Ransom's a good guy. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe we are. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Chris Evans, like, maybe he did have this actual change of heart. But this really brings it back to no, like, the first thing that you hear about uh, Ransom is that he he makes the help call him Hugh, and you're like, ooh, that's not not great. Mm. So it it kind of reminds us, like, no, we should you you know when somebody treats uh, service workers like that, that's not good. They're not a good person. So it's kind of a... I, I thought that was. A nice moment. Yeah, I think it's a, it's it's quite like a cathartic moment too, because like mo- for the, most of the movie, uh, Marta has always just been trying to like she's just been in a constant state of panic and always kind of this kind of deer yeah. in the headlights look, and she's always seemed like she doesn't want to disturb anyone and she just wants everything to be okay and is, is always very very panicked and very sort of uh, you know doe-eyed and sort of like oh please please let everything be okay. But then to actually see her like talk to Ransom, so someone whose help she desperately wanted, you know, not too long back, and actually say to him like, you know, you made the surface call you you, because you're an asshole. Because she's actually been able to say to him, <laughs> you're an asshole, and just have it be like, yeah, I, I'm telling you exactly what I think of you now, because uh, everyone right, knows well, that Ransom is a dick. <laughs> especially with the whole, you know, uh, kind of class thing that we're, we're, we've discussed that that's going on with this movie. Where it's a lot of it is focused on you know this this wealthy family that has a lot of um, of the people still alive like inherited wealth and they have 
of people working there that are the help. Mm. And it's like, you know, there's like, there's definite catharsis of the person who has been kind of pushed around. They say, oh, you're like part of the family, but she's clearly not invited to the funeral. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and then like, they say you're part of the family, but she's clearly not treated as part of the family. And then for her to say, no, you're an asshole. It was very, very cathartic. Mm. So it's very... (laughs) And also this, like, how many things now have got use out of the name Hugh and, and leading to yeah. some sort of misunderstanding because you remember like oh Bart Simpson's prank call huge ass things like that uh, like you ever see the movie What's Up Doc with um, Ryan O'Neill and Barbara Streisand and, oh no oh it's, it's a really terrific movie but it's um at the end it's got a whole it's a really crazy screwball comedy at the end, it's like mm-hmm. about 50 people are hauled into a court to explain this whole chase sequence that happens. And Kenneth Mars is there as a guy called Hugh. And the whole movie is just basically because he's got this really thick accent. No one can make out what he's saying. So he's talking to the judge. And the judge is just like, uh, so, you know, so who is this? Yes, I am Hugh. But you are me. No, I am you. And it's just like, what are you saying? I am you. You are me. And it's just like, I am me. What are you talking about? But it's just the, the joke is that his name is Hugh. Uh, yeah, I think even like Kirby enthusiasm had like, oh fuck Hugh and stuff like like they, the name Hugh. It's got to be. Put th- it's a it's kind of comedy gold once you realize that you and Hugh are so extremely close. <laughs> but now the fact that the, like a major plot twist of this movie hinges right. on the fact that right. Hugh, Hugh sounds like you. Right. Well, and also, well, and also, I mean, it's I I feel like if if, if we knew that. Yeah, like we like we know that his name is Hugh throughout the whole movie, but you kind of forget because you're like, oh, his he's ransom, which is, you know, but then it's like, no, it it brings it back thematically, and it also has that actual twist to it, mm. um, dramatic twist. So I I think it I think it works really well, but it is it is kind of funny that it's something that's used a lot for kind of comedy and screwball. Uh, you and Hugh is like, no, this is like a legitimate dramatic twist. But, uh, the, the thing as well, though, because it really is just to show, I guess, that he is a really petty guy because the name yeah. Ransom is pretty cool. Like, that's a, that's a cool name. Like, I have a, my yeah, middle oh, name totally. was Ransom. I would make people call me Ransom. I would go by Ransom. Oh, absolutely. But <laughs> the thing is that, too, you think in theory, it's like, oh, you'd make, you'd want the help to call you Ransom, too, because you'd want everyone to call you that because it's a cool name. But the fact that he must be such yeah. a, like, no, these people are beneath me. And they must use my proper right. name, so they have to call me Hugh because that is that's to keep them separate from everyone else. Is like they have to address me formally. Everyone else can call me by my my nickname, essentially. And it's like, yeah, it's like, there's no other reason for that except him being a dick, except to be an <laughs> asshole. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 such like a petty thing, and oh man, it's it's. It's, like, so petty, but then also I feel like it's petty in a way that, like, uh, if he's, like, no, you have to call me Mr. Drysdale or whatever, then that would, like, stick out a little bit. Mm. Whereas, like, but but him at the start saying, oh, only the help calls me Hugh. It's, like, it's, like, once you think about it, you're, like, no, that's a really asshole thing to do. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily stick out in that scene where he says it. I guess maybe it's, it's about as much as he can get away with in a household where, you know, the Harlan did she treat he treated Marta like a daughter basically. Like, you know, she was mm-hmm. she's actively closer than his actual family, so he probably Harlan probably had a very 
sort of uh, casual interaction with the help of just being like, oh, they just all, we all call each other by our first names and everything's very, you know, we're just yeah. we're all kind of buddies and stuff. But so been raised in that environment, maybe Ransom couldn't have got away with like, you referred to me as sir or mister or whatever that, but like the, the right. closest he could get to it. The closest he can get to be like showing some form of like superiority or dominance is to be like, you call me here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although that's the thing, like, um, I don't know if you guys, I'm talking about Chris Evans' identity crisis. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how many uh, people from the UK or thereabouts would have been on the show thus far. But, like, the big thing over here, with I don't, I don't know if you guys are aware, but, like, before Chris Evans' Hollywood star came along, over here, there's a massive, massive uh, celebrity called oh, Chris he, Evans he, as yeah. well. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I... Uh, personally watch like a lot of uh, like British panel shows. Oh, so okay. I know of Chris Evans mm. mostly through, you know, kind of like cultural osmosis through that. Yeah. But that, that was a running joke for like probably like the first five or six years of, oh, of Chris I Evans bet. being a big celebrity. So be like, oh, you see the new like, Chris Evans in that new movie. Like, oh, the don't forget your toothbrush guy. Like, no, not that Chris Evans. The big hunky freaking superstar Chris Evans. That's uh, but still to this day, I'm sure that he probably gets to- when he goes to the UK. He's just like, yeah, I understand. I'm the same name as this friggin'. I, I'm not the only Chris Evans. Ha ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, and so the, <laughs> the other guy, do you feel a little bad for him because he's so not this Chris Evans? Like he's a really dorky oh, looking. Oh, they're like very kid. different. Yeah. Yeah. But he always been like, hey, only one of us went out with Billy Piper, and who was that? It was friggin' this Chris Evans. <laughs> Actually, that's probably why I know who Chris Evans is, not necessarily through the panel shows, but because I like Billy Paper. I think so. a, a lot of people, a lot of Americans, I, I do find, are like, oh, they know, they know Doctor Who, so they know Billy Piper, and therefore they yeah. know then, Chris Evans. Yeah, he's the, he's the person who was in a relationship with Billy Piper, for sure. Mm-hmm. Apparently, <laughs> that's they've, probably... they've, still, they've still got a great, uh, you occasionally see, like, uh, Billy Piper and Chris Evans out, like, you know, paparazzi out together and stuff. And every time they're asked about it, it's like, no, we're just really good friends. We're just like, we just really like hanging out together, but we're not together anymore. It's like, that's really nice that you, that you guys can have that kind of relationship. That's always good to see, too, especially, you know, you know, something doesn't work out, but you know, let's, yeah, I want to be nice and we're not, I don't know. It's, it doesn't have to be weird that we're still friends. It's, it's, it's very, it's refreshing. Mm. So do you also have yeah, the other, but... the other dream relationship of, this Chris Evans and Jenny Slate, where you're like, oh, I love them together. And then I think they're broken up, and it's oh just like, God. no, it's just too, they can't hang out there. It's just too, he's I, a lovely I person, was, but I, I can't was, see him anymore. I, I was um, a little bit too uh, invo- um, invested in that relationship because I thought it was very, it was very fun. Because I'm like, oh, I love Chris Evans. I love Jenny Slate. What? Yeah. And uh, yeah, but. <laughs> It was just felt a little. Cause it, it, I remember Jenny Slate out being like an in interview saying, "I don't know why he's like he's Chris Evans. Like how, how hunky he is. Why is he with me and stuff like this?" And I was like, "Jenny, you're I'm stunning." Like you're Jenny Slate. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but she always seemed to have this real thing of like, "Oh, look at this freaking Captain America. Why is he going out with me?" <laughs> it's like, and then yeah. apparently he's just like, "Oh, why wouldn't I go out with her? She's fantastic." <laughs> it's like, "Well, you two should be a thing for the love of God. Just make it work." But tragically, yeah. it wasn't to be. Tragically, yes, but. But I, I, I was, I was, I, I was like, all right, this is very sweet when, when it was happening. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, although speaking of celebrity relationships, uh, would be remiss if I didn't mention because uh, you know, we're covering Batman movies over in my show. Mm. Of course, uh, Anna mm-hmm. Darmus currently hooked up with uh, a previous slash maybe still is Batman Ben Affleck. Oh, 
questionable was going on with that situation there. Yeah. Yeah. This just seems like, I guess, whatever just endless chasm of money HBO Max seems to have to be like, yeah, I guess we can make a Batman movie or TV show with Ben Affleck. like, I think that's going to cost you quite a bit of money, you know, but... I mean, hey, they're already putting so much money into the Snyder Cut, so... Yeah. I don't, I don't think they're going to get the return on that, that they think... That they... No, I mean, I kind of hope not, because I, I don't like when things are like, fine, we'll capitulate to the fans who are like, the Snyder Cut is clearly superior when it's like, uh, probably not, mm. but I mean, I haven't seen Justice League, so... Well, the thing is, I, I don't even know. I did the... the you know, the much more iron Josh Whedon uh, cut of Justice League, I actually mm. quite enjoyed because it's basically like a big Saturday morning cartoon. Like, it has no aspirations it, beyond that. So it's like... And I mean, that's kind of like my... I mean, that, that'd be what I'd want from a Justice League movie, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, it's got... Like, Henry Cavill shows up. Spoilers. Superman returns in it. And, uh, like, he... What? <laughs> and he's having, like, fun. You know, Henry Cavill Superman was always so pained and so, like, sort of dour. And I was like, is, now he seems like Superman. His... <laughs> he seems like he's a, like a, a fun guy who's a big Boy Scout just having cheesy laughs with people. So I was like, yeah, this is Superman. But it, I get it now. Here he is. That's kind of what you want from Superman, too. Also, like, that's what you want from Superman. And I also, like, I don't know. It's very weird because I feel like Henry Cavill is, like, a likable guy, but also, like, not in... The Superman movies where he's just this dour, mm. drab <laughs> version of Superman. And I think with the next big thing, it's like, oh, uh, The Witcher. And he's dour <laughs> and glum on that as well. Yeah. I was like, God damn it, dude. Cheer up, would you? He's, he's another one of those actors, though, where I want him to just play the uh, complete jerks and complete asshole characters. Mm. Um, because if he... Uh, have you seen the movie Stardust? No, I never have, you know. I've never seen it. I... I really, really love that movie. It's it's one of my favorite movies. Um, but he plays a character in that, and he is just this complete like jerk. And it's so uh, he's so fun in it because he's you, he's clearly hamming it up as this like kind of asshole character. It's, <laughs> that was like, <laughs> that was a movie. Although I'm a big Neil Gaiman fan, um, mm-hmm. I never actually saw it. But I did, it was one of those things. I did see the trailer a bunch, and we, me and one of yeah. my friends frequently still do quote. Uh, a clip from that trailer of Robert De Niro going touche with a kind of weird facial expression. <laughs> but you haven't actually seen the movie. Never seen the movie, but I'll, I'll quote that line all the time. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's one of my favorite movies, and I, I think, uh, it, like to bring it back all back to Knives Out. It's very not similar to Knives Out, but it just, it's very. It's one of those movies where I feel like I'm always kind of up to watch it, and mm. I feel like that's the case with Knives Out, Out too, where it's just such a fun time where you're like. All right, I just, I just want to like hang out with these characters for a little bit and, mm. and the... watch kind of a fun time. So, although what we'll say as well though, uh, before we get off the Henry Cavill train, because I watched the <laughs> Enola Holmes recently, and I got mm-hmm. gotta say like as a as a as a cis het man, Henry Cavill in that movie is just like oh my god, like he is he is a hunk, <laughs> like. I I fully understand the appeal of like why well, people will be fawning over this guy. Like him in the old in the Sherlock Holmes outfits, like those old Victorian, like. Uh, okay, I kind of wanted. I I I didn't remember that he was in it, but I'd I'd like to. I I should go watch that sometime because it's it's very. I, I feel like okay, like it's it's yeah. <laughs> it's hinges I, entirely on the likability of Millie Bobby Brown, and she's she is that's true. killing it in it, and then 
It's like she's good right. for a scene, and then Henry Cavill, Cavill shows up, and he's like, he's just eye candy for everybody. And you're like, oh, great. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch him swagger about in that freaking frock coat all day long. And then then the movie's kind of over, and you're like, oh, I guess I can forget that that existed, except for the fact that... <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I, I love a good, uh, like, I, I love a good costume drama, too, so it's, it's this thing. Mm. So the idea of him wearing that kind of, like, costume and that all that, I'm like... I could watch that. Mm. See, I, I knew but, a lot of people got it with him in The Witcher, and I was like, it didn't do it for me there. But like him in an old Victorian outfit, it's like, oh yeah, this this is working for me. <laughs> like this is it's, this this might have awakened something in me that I didn't realize <laughs> was there. Like him and Timothy Oliphant now, it's like, oh yeah, oh, now, now I'm feeling it. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe I'm coming to realizations in my mid thirties here, but L- learning things. Well, you know, it's never too late to learn things. So yeah. you know. Oh, one thing though, the reason I brought up uh, specifically uh, Ben Affleck's Batman is like, uh, there's a lot of talk about people want Anna de Armas to be Ben Affleck's Catwoman, and it's one of those. Huh. Like, I, yeah, I get it. I, I could see her playing a good Selena Kyle. Uh, Honestly, I, I feel like I'd watch her in anything. I, I, I feel like she's she's really compelling, and I'm I'm glad that she was able to get kind of a a star starring role in this one mm. because. She's been in, she's been in movies a lot before, but you know, I, I I don't know if she's always been in like the, you know, she's she's been in a lot of things like like her uh, role in uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine and mm. stuff where she's she's doing side roles and things, but I feel like the um, having uh, you know you are the protagonist yeah. in, in Knives Out was was great, and I I hope to see more like that. She, she had that thing for me for a while where. She was always a name I seen pop up, and people will be talking about like, "Oh, the great Anna de Armas." And so I know she did a lot of acting in Mexico, I think. Or she was like, mm-hmm. she was a star, you know, there before she was a star, like elsewhere. And it was always one of those things that I kept seeing her name pop up. I was like, "Who is this woman?" I thought, Anna de Armas. I'm sure she's some it girl I forget about in a little bit. And then watching Knives Out, it was like, "Oh, that's her. Oh, she's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. you should put her in lots of stuff." And like now, now yeah, I understand. No. I, I I totally did not. Like recognized that she was uh, in in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So then when I, I, I was looking up all the uh, all the stuff that people were in, I was like, what? So I think this is one of those shameful things to have to say as a as a fan of Blade Runner and as like a, a cinema fan in general. But uh, I went to see Blade Runner twenty forty nine in the cinema, and I kept having to bite my own hand to wake myself up. I was that bored. Uh, I was like, I, I was having that too with that movie. And I don't know why I was, I think it was also partially, it was like, I saw it right at the end of a work day mm. and I had a glass of wine while I was watching it. Yeah. So let's, let's be honest. And uh, I was like in very comfortable seats. And so I'm just like trying to stay awake. And I'm like, I like, this is such a beautiful movie and it's really good, but also I am so tired. And... I, think I was, yeah, I was in a really warm cinema. I could try to blame oh, that. Yeah. But I think a lot of it was just like it looks amazing, like it's visually an absolute feast. Oh, it feast. is gorgeous. But I think that was it. It was just like, yeah, it looks fantastic, but I don't care about any of this. Like I don't. I'm sitting here and I know the things. Like I don't want to be the guy who's just waiting for Harrison Ford to show up. But the most of the movie, I was like, what? But I mean, at the same time, you kind of who isn't waiting for Harrison Ford to show up, really? Yeah, yeah. And then was kind of then, even that when that happens, like okay, oh, so I got a bit of Deckard, yeah. Uh, is this movie it's done? Interesting uh, to have those like uh, the the conditions of the cinema you're in, how it can avoid things, how it can make you 
Like if it's a little too warm, we can get sleepy. But I also had the polar opposite when I saw uh, Super 8 in theaters and it was the coldest movie theater I had ever been in. And so I wasn't falling asleep, but I was just like so focused on trying to keep warm (laughs) that I'm just like, I, 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 I liked the movie, but I also was like, didn't. You know, I, I couldn't focus too much because I was just so cold. <laughs> uh, that's a movie I need to rewatch. Like, I've seen Super 8 in about 10 years. And all I can remember yeah, is like, I, oh, Elf Banning's in it, right? And there's bikes. Yeah. And, that's, yeah. and a monster. I remember that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't really remember much yeah, about it. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I, I don't remember too much about it either, honestly. And that, that, that's partially because I, I only saw it once in theaters and had that, had that weird experience that I still think about <laughs> where I'm like... I've never like I live in I live in Minnesota, which is a cold state and it's a cold area. But I like my memory of being really really cold is seeing Super Eight in the middle of the summer, uh, in just a very way too air conditioned. Mm-hmm. That's the official note for theater owners when what and let's just say when they reopen. I know a lot of fear about cinemas at the minute. They'll be back. I, I believe cinemas. Will yeah. Be oh, totally. Back in full force when you reopen. Room temperature is room temperature for a reason. That's yeah. the temperature a room should be, okay? Not- it should be that room. Like, I get that the the whole thing is that it's summer and you want to be the, oh, you come in to escape the heat, but also you don't want it to go to the polar opposite of, of going from the hot outside to the, oh, it is frigid in here and I'm not wearing a coat because it's the middle of June. So. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. No, no. Well, knives out. <laughs> knives out. Why we're why we're, uh, why we're uh, presumably here. Um, do you have anything else that you want to talk about this particular minute uh, or minute one seven fifty seven? I'm sad to see uh, Daniel Craig's. Um, was it what they call it? Non lethal firearm show has come to a close. <laughs> He's putting the coat back on. <laughs> He's just like, all right, I, I think we've, we've, we've shown the world enough of the, the old biceps here, so get that back on. I still wonder, was he taking it off and tucking in the tie in case Ransom got violent? He's like, I'll be able to throw down oh, this guy. Oh, that's a good point. It's like, oh, thing, thing, now is the time, though, is be mo- the most likely he's going to erupt. Is- right, because he's still, like, he's still, like, unveiling the whole thing and saying, like... I don't know. That's that's an interesting question. Mm. Uh, why he would make those choices? Uh, although you wonder to what extent is it Daniel Craig needs something to do in that scene, but at the same time, that's not really a good reason to do any of that. So I don't know. Yeah, that's like, so many of those things. Like I remember, like watching uh, like Chinatown, and there's mm-hmm. there's a scene where Jack Nicholson's like messing around with a, like a cigarette lighter for like ages. And you wonder, mm-hmm. you're sitting like, what what does this mean? Like, what w- is this some commentary on Jake Giddy trying to get the like light the case of fire or something? And then you like read an interview with Jack Nicholson. And he's like, no, nah, it's just business. Like, I just needed something to do because yeah. I was just a lot yeah. of dialogue, so I just needed to do something with my hands. So it was a yeah, or, or or you have uh, or you have the things that you start to notice like um, on the show Firefly, where uh, like Alan Tudyk's the pilot, and any time that he needs to do with anything like remotely technical he has three switches that he flips like, <laughs> and it's like you, you wouldn't think that you'd need to do that for every single anything but it's like that's kind of like his his busy work there for mm. for you know it, it looks good to be like oh you're flipping these switches and mm. 
it's it must be so, like, like <laughs> although you know talking about Doctor Who earlier like anyone piling that TARDIS like do they do they decide in advance like does David Tennant go in knowing I know what this switch does and I know to twist this thing or is it just every single or, take or are you just like thing? walking around going like ooh this is a thing that's that's interesting because I feel like I mean on a show like Doctor Who you know that there are a lot of fans out there who are like analyzing every single scene uh, but. At the same time, does anybody who's making the show really know, okay, here's the thing that makes the TARDIS do this? Yeah. Or, I don't know. I think I remember when I got to, like, Matt Smith, it was like, oh, yeah, like, like bathroom taps and stuff attached to it, and, like, a typewriter. It's like, I don't think anybody knows what the, these things actually do. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true. That's it's, it's funny. I think Jodie Whittaker has, like, um, a biscuit maker or, or something in there. It's like, oh, it just makes custard creams for her. It's like... All right, so officially this this console just does whatever you want it to do. <laughs> yep, that's what it's always yeah. done. <laughs> Something we said for that. Um, so if we don't have anything more to talk about this particular minute, um, we can just go um, have it quickly. Uh, what do you want to see uh, in a, in the sequel or from uh, future uh, Knives Out, Benoit Blanc? I mean, I, I, th- I think my ideal one uh, would be like a... Like down by the bayou, Benoit Blanc has to go home. Like there's been a oh, oh. a murder in his town, and when he gets there, you see his expanded family, and it's all the That'll old Bond kind. actors. Like it's Pierce Brosnan. Oh shit! Pierce Brosnan oh. doing the oh yeah, this is me, your great uncle, uh, Noir Blanc, or something like that. And as you have friggin' pictures of Roger Moore and Sean Connery up there, you got like oh yeah, it's Timothy Dalton's playing one friggin'. I don't know, is George Lazenby still alive? Could he play, like, all the previous Bonds are, are back to play the Benoit Blanc family. And then, like, his mother's, I don't know, you know, one of the, one of the Bond girls from back in the day, too. Just make a, make a whole thing of it and just have some fun. Benoit Blanc Goes Home is is, uh, is a very good idea and one that I'd like to see. Well, the thing uh, is, because then, what... then it'll become, like, is it him going back? Is he, like, the black sheep of the family? Is he, like, oh, he's the real disappointment? Because the rest of them, they either <laughs> either go they're better detectives than him, or they like abhor detectives for some reason, and he's like, oh. or he has he has like a giant crime family or something. Like they're they're running a whole ring, uh, a crime ring, and he's just like, you guys are embarrassing. <laughs> it's the one case he's never been able to crack is how to bring down his own crime family. Bring down his own family. <laughs> So everyone knows, like, oh, uh, everyone knows the, the the Blancs run this town, but nobody knows how to get rid of them. <laughs> like, not even their, the, you know, their, their youngest son. He's friggin' pushing 50 now. He still hasn't cracked it. Down. Oh, that'd be fun. Um, I, I think that the thing that I, I've, I've seen other people bring it up before, but it would be nice is that uh, that this whole movie, or, or sequel stuff, is basically the two characters that you need more are obviously Benoit Blanc, but then also um, Ana de Armas' Marta to do the uh, side stuff. And the way that you get to that is that she's basically helped uh, bankroll Benoit Blanc <laughs> in, in his detectiving. Um, I mean, we already know that he gets paid for what he does, but like, hey, I need to go do some like uh, pro bono detectiving for whatever reason. And, mm. and she bankrolls it and comes along uh i i mean that'd be that'd be pretty fun that's the, so that's, that's the only thing though because the the concept of oh yeah a different movie with benoit blanc completely different cast every time it's like that's solid because it's just it's, it's yeah. essentially oh, totally. making 
Murder, She Wrote writ large. But then they come yeah. across that Mad Max problem now. It's like, you made Mad Max Fury Road, and everyone just liked Furiosa. And so now people want to see more Furiosa and not more so, Mad Max. And it's like, right. you got Martyr. Well, like, also- everyone knows Anna de Armas in this. It's like, well, she's not going to be in the sequel. Oh, like you're gonna, you better friggin' have a impeccably cast sequel then, because people loved the, you know this character. So right. Well, I also just really liked their like the those scenes of um, of Daniel Craig and Anna de Armas together are just really fun, and they have a really fun dynamic together. So I would be I'd be really sad to see that go, and I understand if they do want to do like have it be more of an anthology, and it's just. Benoit Blanc solving crimes and and being fantastic, but also I'm like, it'd be it'd be so nice if they could figure out a way to fit Marta back into it. Yeah, yeah. Even if they're not dealing with this family anymore, I'm like, Anna Armas is great and she's great with these characters in this movie. So, well, one thing I would like to see, and it's I think now it's like oh, it could never it couldn't happen within the Knives Out universe. Is that I've been pitching for a while uh, if they ever bring back. I'm surprised I've not tried because it was such a big thing like years ago. But like, like Philip Marlowe or Sam Spade, like those old Humphrey Bogart film noir mm-hmm. characters, and the perfect guy to play that now is uh, Lakeith Stanfield. Like he he would oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. him in a crumpled suit, kind of shuffling around as a private detective, is great. And it's like I love to see him play that part. Like he should, he should cho- totally be Philip Marlowe uh, these days. But then I'd love to see oh Philip Marlowe as played by Lakeith Stanfield and Benoit Blanc team up. But you can't because he's in the movie as a completely different guy. I mean, hey, figuring out a way for his character to come back would be great because, like, again, talk about a star-studded cast. Like having Lakeith Stanfield in there is like so good and. It it'd be, it'd be great to if he, if he showed up and he's just like oh fuck. oh no it's uh it's Ben <laughs> again. Here's one thing actually oh. I want to see this is a dream project of mine that really it really really needs to happen but um uh, I would again do a team up with these two characters is reboot of Columbo obviously can't have uh-huh. Peter Falk now these the you know sadly passed uh, Natasha Leone as Columbo. In the, the trench coat mm. and going, eh, mm. one more thing and things like that. Because, you know, remember in the 70s, Mrs. Columbo was played by Kate Mulgrew, who's essentially, you know, Natasha Leone's mum in Orange is the New Black. So there you go. You have her cameo. It's like, yeah, this is my daughter. And, and now she's a detective, too. Uh, that That is like, uh, that would make me so happy. I I, I also love Natasha Leone. And <laughs> that would be perfect but like just, to have yeah. her go show up and be like, ah, just one more thing. Oh, so you get the, yeah, the, the cinematic reboot of Columbo starring Natasha Leone teaming up with Benoit Blanc. Just oh her, her you know, irritable New York, gravelly voice, you know, constant chain smoking, kind of crotchety, dealing with, you know, this always Kentucky Fried Foghorn Langhorn drawl the whole time. That, that's a dream project. Right that would, there, be, that would be so good to have... Natasha Leone as Colombo meets Benoit Blanc. Like you might imagine them doing a scene like this, where they've got the criminal dead to rights, and you know she's doing a little bit of exposition, like eh, one more thing, and then Benoit Blanc steps in with another thing. It's like oh my, the two of them playing off each other. That'd be great. Yeah, okay, like of all the things we've talked about, this is now my dream, and I, I doubt it'll happen, but I'll be disappointed if it doesn't happen. <laughs> Like she doesn't even have to be Columbo. Just have her yeah, as a detective. Just have her as a detective. As yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, that's 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 now it. That's what I want now. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think that's going to uh, wrap this episode up. If, we, if you don't have anything else to say, um, thank you for joining me again. Uh, do you oh, have anything thank you for having me again. Uh, uh, to plug with your with your show or? Uh, no, again, we're uh, I'm one of the hosts of Bat Minutes. Uh, we got three seasons out already. We recovered Batman '89 through Batman Forever already, and we're facing down the barrel of the gun that is covering Batman and Robin minute right. by minute uh, this year. <laughs> so that's uh, that's gonna be. It's going to be something. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, people are welcome to, to jump on into that anytime you want. We're available on all good podcatchers just under Bat Minute. So, Great. Yeah. And you can also follow this uh, this podcast on Twitter at Knives Out Minute on Twitter. Uh, and, yeah, that'll do it. So thank you again, and I uh, hope you have a good day. Bye.